0: When I first started learning how to make homemade pizza dough, um, I left out the yeast and so as I was putting it all together and I had our, we had our little KitchenAid mixer there, those things are just the coolest things ever. If you don't have one, I don't make any money off it. I'm just saying, you need to go get one because they're so neat. You could turn it on and walk away though you're not supposed to. And so they, they start mixing and I was like, man, that looks really good, right? Start going, I'm doing a really good job. And I put it in the bowl and then you're supposed to wait an hour and then it's supposed to rise. It didn't rise. And so I'm looking at it going... Well, no big deal, no harm, no foul, add it now! And so back in the mixer, sprinkle it on there, put it on there, and I went, brilliant, (laughs) simply brilliant. And then I waited another little bit of time. Um, To my surprise, nothing happened except texture. And so now I have grainy dough that doesn't rise. As we've been doing Spiritual Cooking 101, uh, we have this week and next week left of Spiritual Cooking 101, and uh, here's the reality of what we've been learning. Personal Bible study is methodical. Certain steps in a certain order give you a certain result. You can't you can't just kind of like well, what am I going to do today? Well, let's just interpret. I know, and this is what so many people do. Don't feel... Well, there's no reason to feel ashamed. You might feel bad. I don't know. I can't control your feelings, but no reason to feel bad over this. We typically aren't interested in observation. We're not interested in interpretation. We just want some application. When we go to these really wonderful, precious stores, uh, like if you go to PJ Graham down in... um, uh, Did I say that right? Dalton, there it is, Um, beautiful signs everywhere, Amish country, signs everywhere, and you got all these things, and you're like, ooh, I love that verse, right, it's on a sign, it's on a pillow, it's on pairs of socks, I mean, they have all kinds of different ways that you just take the verse, and then you look at the verse, and you're like, oh, this is true about you, you have no idea what the verse actually means, all you know is that it says words, and you want them to mean something. And so you just immediately apply. Today we're going to go through application, but I want to make sure that we continue to be reminded on the uh, methodical uh, path that we're on with regards to like there's certain steps in a certain order for a certain result. Very similar to cooking. There are things you have to do in steps. That's why you have a recipe that says, first do this. I have tried to simplify recipes by just finding the ingredients and just taking that ingredient list and just say, okay, so I need this, 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 and this, and this later to come to find out there's actually an order in which you're supposed to do it. That's why later on it says there's a one, then a two, then a three. And then it says, okay, first do this. Then on the side, while you're waiting, combine this. There's a reason we do things in an order. There's a reason why scripture even teaches that young believers should not, new believers should not be in leadership positions. Why? They're not ready. This is why uh, unbelievers should not be in certain areas of church leadership because they don't believe, right? There's an order. You believe, And then you start growing and you get into the right baptism. There's an order for this for a reason, not because the church is all about rules, but because there's an order to the way that God has laid things out. First, we learned observation. Thank you, Pastor Craig, for walking us through observation and interpretation. That was thrilling and exciting. Very good information. Uh, observation, if you missed those, observation and interpretation in the past two weeks, go back and rewatch those and uh, and take some additional notes. Observation, be observant, right? Seems redundant, but you'd be surprised on how many times people are like, "But well, what does that mean? Be observant, look around, ask lots of questions. I know that some grew up with parents, grandparents that said, you're asking too many questions. You know what? Don't speak until spoken to. That type of stuff, um, it is what it is. We are where we are. I'm telling you to ask a lot of questions. You don't even have to be rude to ask questions. You just need to have a question to ask a question. And so when you're reading through a passage of Scripture, not just one verse, a passage. It was, especially within the New Testament, there's all these letters You've got to look through these letters. Within the Old Testament, there's a lot of passages that just kind of flow together. You need to read more than just that one verse, and we're going to look at some of that today. Ask a lot of questions. Ask who and to whom, we learned. Uh, what, why, where, when, how? And, and so this, it's all in your uh, message notebook for you to be able to kind of keep track of that. And if I could just preface it a little bit of this, I should have said this before. That's why it's a preface it, It's a pre. Um, you might feel overwhelmed when you think about Bible study and observation, interpretation. In fact, so overwhelmed, you don't even try it. You don't have to do all of this at once. I would recommend get a passage of Scripture the Lord wants you to read. How do I know what the Lord wants me to do? Open the Bible (laughs) and start reading through something. Ask us. We'll give you something to start in. We're actually going to go through James here in the next couple of weeks um, here coming up. Read through the passage of Scripture and just spend a week or so, two weeks, on just asking questions. Enjoy the ride. We're us Americans are so so let's get in there, let's get it done, let's get it over with. I'm I'm discipled. Yes, let's go. Right? We want to get it done. It's a journey. The whole concept of sanctification is this ongoing being set apart. So it's an ongoing thing. It's a lifestyle of learning. You need to continually, don't, don't uh, uh, make yourself think uh, that you have to do all of it at once. So when you spend a couple days, even a week or a month, just reading over a passage of scripture, imagine what you'll find. Now, if you're like me, you're like, I'll never get through it then. Let me just ease your mind. Are you ready for this? This should help. You will never know Everything there is to know about everything that is inside of here. (sighs) Okay, okay, I can do this now. As the Lord leads, study, right, passages that He's leading you, maybe even within groups. I had to come to the realization that I'm not going to be able to teach every single little thing that is within Scripture to all of you. I wanted to. Man, I want to teach the whole Bible to all of them. Not in such a micro way. We might be able to do it in a macro way in a higher elevation view. But trust that the Lord is going to share with you what you need to know where you're going and what you're doing. I'm not saying be lazy in any way, but understand, the reality is, you're going to study the rest of your life. I knew a gentleman that was in his 90s. He's, gone, he's passed now. He's in heaven. And um, in his 90s, he was reading a book on prayer. Why? Because he said, I want to learn how to pray better. You probably have all the prayers you need to do. You're 90. You're in the 90s. Like, Why would you need... <laughs> Well, because I never stop learning. Never stop. And so acknowledge the fact that I'm going to just observe for a period of time. Who? To whom? What? Why? Where? When? How? Ask lots of questions. You have to do that first. What do I see? What do I see? Then we go on to interpretation. What does it mean? There is, in fact, one meaning. There are, however, many applications. There's a variety of applications, yet there was one intended meaning. Whenever you send a text and somebody goes back and says, are you mad at me? No. The meaning of the text was, no, thank you. I said, no, thank you. You took it as, no, I don't want anything to do with you ever again. Right? That's not the writer's fault. (laughs) That's your interpretation based on whatever preconceived things you got wrapped up in your head and emotions there is one meaning now we're going to walk through this together and the best way to learn is to do uh for, for me and i imagine some of you as well so we'll get to this cuz i would imagine one of your questions is what does it mean this is where you get hung up because you want to you want i can observe no problem i feel confident there what does it mean ooh i don't want to mess that up let's just jump to application if you mess up the interpretation like if you miss the interpretation if you miss this step don't go to application you're wasting your time and you're doing it wrong did I say that nice? <laughs> Don't jump steps. Interpretation. How do I know it's the right one? Well, the, the Holy Spirit reveals to us God's truth, no doubt. And as you read through scripture, it's important for you to be praying every step of the way. And with all your questions, sitting down with other people to ask those questions and to talk through those questions is very helpful looking up certain things online and being very intentional how much you do online necessarily. I would look for multiple people, multiple things, because look for a a collaboration, if you will, a consistency, but understand anything that's different from God's word, uh, we're going to push that aside and just focus on the truth of God's word. One meeting, uh, let scripture interpret scripture. So what do I see? What does it mean? And today we're going to look at the application The big idea remains the same. You can prepare healthy spiritual meals to enjoy and to share with others. Psalm 119 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The psalmist loved the word of God. David loved God's law. He would meditate on it day and night. You would think about it. It wasn't a matter of like just trying to force a thing. You just, you remember uh, couples, okay? Those of you that still like your part, your partner you're in crime, there. Um, and those of you that still like your spouse uh, or significant other, I want you to think about this. When you first started dating, did anybody have to keep encouraging you to spend time with that person? No, they probably had to tell you to back off a little bit, right? Like, whoa, whoa, you're spending way too much time with that person, right? Because you were so focused, fixated, indulging yourself in this individual. That's what David was like. He just wanted to absorb and absorb and absorb. Do you know the kings of Israel, when they became king, they had a very specific thing they had to do. They had to take the first five books of the Bible, the the law of Moses, and they had to write it out, not in their own thoughts. (laughs) They didn't write it, you know, no, put it in your own words. No, no. They wrote it out by hand, all five books. And then they studied those five books so that they would know God's law. They They dove into it. That's, the, that's what's important here is that it's not a matter of just doing for the sake of doing. Like you do it because you long for that. Application. So how does it work? What does that mean? How does it really work in my life? This is the third step in the studying of God's word. If you do not plan on moving on to application step, um, don't, don't worry about anything else. There's no point um, because you can learn all you want, but if you never plan on doing anything about it, the, the growth is stunted. Nothing really of value is happening. There is no point in having it if you do not properly apply it. People want all kinds of knowledge. Did you know that the devil knows the Bible? He used it when he was tempting when he was tempting Jesus. Um, doesn't apply it. Doesn't apply it. So no good, right? So observe, interpret, apply. We need to be able to apply God's word. When we misapply Scripture in our lives. A, uh, we, th- there's this thing, a limited or incomplete view of God comes over us. When we misapply uh, scripture, we have this limited or incomplete view of God, an exaggerated view of self. We can pick out all the verses this afternoon, go home and pick out all the verses that make you seem irresistible. Right? Because we focus only on God's love and we miss God's judgment. We, we focus so much on the fact that, and this is true, God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. We focus only on that, and we miss the fact that there's even more, and we make it all about us. The Bible is not about you. It's about what Jesus did. When we make it about us, then it's fragile. It can be broken. Uh, it can be shifted. It's shaky. It's the, it's the house that was built on the sand when we make the Bible all about us. And some would say, well, it, I mean, it's basically about us. I mean, he came and did this for, no, it's all about him. When we don't fix our eyes on Jesus and we start looking all about us and it's all about me and, and everything, that, then, then we get this inflated, this exaggerated view of self. And third, a shallow understanding of scripture. We, be, we, we, we just, we get into this like, um, I get a little excited about this, apparently. <laughs> we want to we plant flowers, and we have these really pretty flowers. And if you're the one that, like in the spring, plants all these flowers, and then they die, and then they don't come back by themselves, I don't get you. I would say plant a flower, <laughs> and let it come back by itself all the time, right? But we want to do these little flowers, and we make it all pretty, and we just want to have this surface-level understanding. Because if I dig too deep, that might hurt. That might actually reveal to me that there's something going on that needs to change. And I'm not trying to change, I'm just trying to get, right? We get a shallow understanding of Scripture, we miss the whole point. And finally, there's a risk, a serious risk of theological error. When you misapply scripture, you begin to think truly the Bible is all about you. You begin to make it seem something that it's not. I'm, and so when you, when you try to force something into the Bible, you're doing it wrong. Let the Bible speak for what the Bible is saying. Let the Scripture interpret the Scripture. Some examples of misapplied verses this isn't a shaming thing this is a revealing thing our culture makes a lot of money off jesus and no doubt we need to buy bibles they need to print bibles so that we can buy the bibles and and i and we get that right we have marketed the son of god in such a way where i mean it's on wristbands right you remember the wwjd thing back in the 90s right? Come on, my people, right? They were like, oh yeah, I had the bumper sticker. And when we got the the fish symbol, all these things, there's nothing wrong with all that stuff. I'm just saying there's a lot out there. And when you have a mass production of stuff, you may, there may be some error along the way. There may be some misapplied verses along the way. So Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now, we will use this verse, but we do not use all of the verse typically. Whenever somebody's grieving, I talked about this literally last night, and, I, and we know that God causes everything to work together, and we say period rather than dot, dot, dot. And we end it there. Well, God works out everything, you know. And and we need to have the whole passage together, taking this one verse and just saying, okay, we're just going to put it there to try to make somebody feel better. When I do that, I'm trying to make that person feel better about themselves. I don't want to do that. I want you to be more focused on Jesus because guess what? You're going to, you're going to distract yourself. You're going to let yourself down. Uh, Jesus, the reality is he's not going to change. He's not going to actually let you down, though you may feel that way. We need to not just puff people up. We need to give them real encouragement. We're just talking about with the board of directors this week about real, authentic encouragement. So if you want to give somebody a passage that's going to be helpful, use the whole thing, please. Jeremiah 29 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Print it on a pillow, sell it. You don't even, that's, that's like 29 11a, right? We do that thing with a little letter. Uh, 29 11, that's just like the beginning. Okay, so what, what is this even about? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. I'm claiming that verse, baby, because I want future and I want hope. And so, what, what, if, what, if I, what if I don't have a future because the Lord didn't allow me to go beyond 30 or 40 or five days? But the verse, He's got plans for me, they're good plans okay so a uh, brief understanding this verse is definitely a promise but it's a promise for a particular people in a particular time through the prophet jeremiah god promised that after judah's predetermined exile in babylon he would bring them back to the promised land pastor where would you get that um i read the context don't just grab a verse and slap it on, and make an application. Now, you may have a good working observation, interpretation, application for that verse that is on your arm in tattoo form. That's all good, but understand the context. Don't just take it, trying to make it all about you, and then you move on. And then there's one. I love this verse so much from the book of Psalm. I don't have this one up there. I added it after, after I put my notes in. And so I want you to hear this. Now, this verse may have given you great hope. I'm not trying to take that hope away. I want to complete the hope, actually. We will say this verse from Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God and we will stop there and I think it's a travesty that we would just take a portion of it and not look at the whole thing be be still and know that I am God okay well what does that mean If you read the rest of it, you can see how in control our God really is. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Make no mistake. This is the God of the universe, the creator of all things. He didn't say, I should be, I might be, we'll see what happens. He said, I will be. And so why would we take portion of that? We miss it when we don't use it all be still and know we'll say we'll even shorten it and i've said this to people be still and know but i need to explain more to that to people i don't want to just let it be a fluffy feeling if they don't understand what it means be still and know that i am god he says i will be exalted among the nations i will be exalted in this earth And you can see with that full understanding how it's all going to fit together because you can see throughout Scripture how it's coming. You can see through the prophecies that have happened and that are yet to come. He, in fact, will be exalted. Why? Application. If I get good observation, good interpretation, why can't I just be somebody that just gets filled up, but I don't ever actually have to use it? Some might say that, you know what, and you may have heard this, I don't want to drink the milk of the word. Give me the meat, baby. Right? Give me the meat of God's word. And they say, teach me the meat. Teach me the meat. Jesus in John chapter 4 had an interesting conversation with his disciples. Because what we're saying by give me the meat I want the thickness, the hardiness. I want that scripture that's going to stick to my ribs. You know what I'm saying? So we're kind of going back and forth playing on real cooking and spiritual cooking here. And uh, Jesus does very similar here. So he just had a conversation with the Samaritan woman. And the disciples came back. And they were like, here, Master, you need to eat something. And he said, my meat... Uh, also translated in some some translation as food, just generally food, comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You want the meat? Then you got to do. Faith without works is what? Is dead. If you want the meat of the word then learn what it says, and then go do it. That's what it's all about. That's what application truly is. We can all become experts in Scripture, yet could have an unchanged life. You can know everything there is to know about the Bible, and yet you have nothing changed in your life. God wants truth to transform life, The truth is attractive as we live it out. When we prepare healthy spiritual meals to enjoy, we share with others through conversations and the way we live and the things that we do. Paul writes to Titus to encourage him. Turn in your Bibles to Titus chapter 1. I want you to see something for a minute. We're going to do a little brief, um, very brief. We're going to look for some observation, a little interpretation, and then some application. What does this look like? Titus chapter 1, I want you to see an observation. When we look at Titus, we want to know, um, we want to see what 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 do I see? And I see in Titus chapter 1, you're like, Pastor, why'd you send me to Titus? I don't know where Titus is, right? Uh there's a table of contents at the beginning of your Bible. Use it. It's okay. There's no shame in this game. Just get it right. Just do it. Um, and go to Titus, it's in the New Testament. And we know that the, who wrote this letter because it's actually signed. This was a way of signing the, the letter. They signed it at the beginning. We do this in, in really official letters. I'm sure those of you that are in business, you know, you have the name and address, name and address. You know what I'm talking about. So maybe a, maybe a flavor of that. So we know from Titus 1.1 that this letter is from who? From Paul. You just observed and figured out who wrote this letter. You can do this. You can, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do this. It's going to be great. So Paul writes this letter, and he uh, say, so and he talks about how he's a slave to Christ. I have been sent to proclaim the faith. And then he goes on chapter 1, and he actually is writing a letter to Titus. And in all of chapter 1, he's teaching about elders that Titus is to appoint. Here's what you need to do, and here's how they are to behave. Then we get to chapter 2. So Titus, go over to chapter 2. If you, read the, if you read a letter, let me just tell you what I just did. This was the coolest thing. I printed out a letter of the Bible, one of the books. I took out all the chapters and all the verses. And I got to tell you, it was a lot less stressful reading it that way than it was trying to go through all the little headers and the numbers and everything. You re- I read it like a letter, like somebody was writing a letter. And it was the most wonderful way to receive the word of God. I want to recommend that you go online and BibleGateway.com and you can copy and paste that into a Word document if you want or a Google, a Google Doc and then you just take them out. Just take them out. I'm sure there's ways you can just do it. There's a way, it's probably a, something online that you can just go to and get it that way and print it out and just sit there and read it it was it was the most wonderful way i don't know that i've ever experienced it quite like that where i just read through it why is that important because here's where we break into chapter 2 and and like pastor craig said sometimes the break the breakups if you will are a little unfortunate because he's referencing a little bit like you can see the flow so Titus you're going to need to you're going to need to raise up some leaders and here's how they're supposed to behave and here's what they're going to do but as for you Titus 2. one. But as for you, Titus, this is what he says. Promote the king of uh, the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. So, Titus, that's what you're going to do, and that's how the elders are going to behave. But as for you, Titus, here's what I want you to do. I want you to teach the older man, and he gives some older men some things to do. Teach, and then similarly, teach the older women some things. See, the word older wasn't offensive, probably, because it was a sign of maturity and like man I've arrived almost and so embrace your age and so here we have the older men the the older women and then the these older women that I'm referring to in this passage I want them to um train the younger women And I want them to learn how to love their husbands because there's this assumption that because you're an older woman, you have some idea, working knowledge about what it really means to love your husband. And in the same way, in verse six, encourage the young men, Paul says, to live wisely, and you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Then it talks about slaves and how they behave. then he, then he, then he uh, finishes this section. Then they, all that we just read, see, if you just read it in a letter form, it just makes so much sense. Then they will make the teaching about God, our savior, attractive in every way. People complain, well, that church isn't relevant. Well, they don't know what they're doing or whatever young people, and they put it all around. If you got babies in the church, you're going to be okay. That type of thing. If you're living it out in such a way, it's going to be so attractive. People are like, man, what is going on over there? There's something so different. Because you have the men that are stepping up to the plate to take care of their family. And you have the women that are teaching the younger women how to behave. And they're not, they're not going around behind people's backs saying, oh, did you know about this person and that person? Let's call it a prayer request. And then they're actually living it out in such a way. All of them, men and women alike. If our children don't find it attractive, we have to at least ask the question: what am I doing? Is there anything that I'm doing that's making this less attractive? You, as the kids of those parents, know very well whether or not faith in their life was attractive. It wasn't attractive to me when I watched the way that my dad did not lead the family. It wasn't attractive. It wasn't attractive to me, but I figured I would still give it a shot because I believed God. And we need to keep moving forward with that as best we can. There's some prerequisites when it comes to applying the verses you are observing, the passages. Uh, Applying, uh, when you observe, you interpret... And then you apply. The whole reason why we apply these things is because teaching truly, not the whole part of it, is because it's so attractive, the teaching, that we can focus and fix our eyes and and point to the Son of God, the Son of Man. And people may ask questions about it. Well, we have some steps on application, but there's some requisites. There's some prerequisites that you need to know beforehand. The first thing is, you must be His. You must be born again. You must be a believer. If you have spent so much of your time, some people say, well, I spent my whole life reading the Bible, and it doesn't make any sense to me. I'm going to push back on that. I highly doubt you have spent your whole life really studying God's Word and have gotten nothing out of it. Um, But if you're not a believer, and you have studied and studied, and you don't get it, that might be an indicator. Listen, if we don't speak the truth to each other, what else is there, right? And so if you're not getting it, just take a step back. Lord, am I yours? What a great conversation. Am I really yours? And let's sit down and talk about it. Talk to somebody that's actually further along in the faith than you are. You have to be his. You have to be born again. You must be hungry. These are are prerequisites. You have to be his. You have to be hungry. Because you could be his, but maybe you're not even really going into it. You're really not actually going after it. You need to be hungry, longing for the word. Some of it just takes practice, you know, and practice and keep going and keep going and getting into it. And you must be humble. Read like a servant, just ready to obey. Okay, so what does my master want me to do? Now, I know when we say slave and servant, uh, there's different feelings and connotations That get into that But get into it in a humble way That you're just looking to please the Lord Okay so what, what do you have for me today What do you want me to do And get into it So you have to be his You have to actually be hungry And you have to be humble Why would you read a book to teach you how to live your life If you think you've got it all figured out anyway Nothing in that book I'm going to learn have, have you tried it no need. I try it. I would try it. So, how? We're going to wrap up with how. Four steps of application. First of all, know. You need to know the truth, know the text. You need to know yourself. You need to be aware. You need to be aware. This is why we need people in our lives. Whether it's through family, we have life groups, whether it's through conversations, whatever that is, you need to be aware of what's going on in in you and through you and how people relate. I ask people sometimes, what's it like being on the other side of me? See, I can't sit down and have a conversation and hang out with me the way that you can. I'm just being real. I would love to spend one day just hanging out with me. Right? On the other side. And I just, want to, I just want to experience me the way that you experience me. So I can be like, oh my gosh, I do that? Oh, how weird. So that I can do better. So I need you to tell me things like, Pastor, that's a little weird. And then I'll decide whether or not it's really weird. But I would, I would love to know myself better so that, so that I know like, Okay, what do I need to know here? What do I need to learn from here? So know the text, right? Know a real observation. You need to know a real interpretation. And if you're not sure, you can do some research on it. Observation, you can spend two weeks. Interpretation, spend four weeks. Application, probably need a day. But just continue to like expand that more and more and more. Sit in it. The goal is to know God more, not to just get through it. Don't just get through it. Your checklist could hang on the wall and it says that you've read the the Bible every single day and you check off the list and you're going, but uh, nothing's changing. Something should happen. There should be a change. So know the text, know yourself. The application is built on the interpretation. If that is wrong, the application will be wrong. As we have learned, one interpretation, many applications. So number one, no. Number 2 relate. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Relating it to the the, the truth to your life. You should at this you should have new relationships, new relationships with God, of course, your new relationship with God, new relationships with your enemy. like, what, how does that change? Well, as a believer, we listen to Jesus, right? And, and so Jesus said, love your enemy and pray for them that, uh, uh, use you, despitefully use you and, um, persecute you. So now your relationship with your enemy is that you care about their soul. They're no longer just an enemy. They're a person with a lost soul perhaps. And so now the relationship is we're praying for them. So you want to know, you want to relate it to your life. So we're knowing, We're relating. This one's hard for people because we're so quick to move on to the next thing. You want to meditate. Want to meditate. Joshua 1 8 says, Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Psalm 1 uh, 1 through 2 Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in the mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. What does this look like? In an office setting, the people that are hanging around the cooler that, that are, that are uh, uh, actually causing harm to the company, perhaps maybe you are meditating on God's word. And as the Lord allows, maybe you get in there and be a light in the darkness. But you're meditating on God's word. You're learning it even at lunchtime, right? And today, many people are working from home. You know, you take the Bible with you. I'd invite you to always have two Bibles. In, uh, in 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 your ownership or possession, so to speak. One at home and maybe one in your car. I have one that I keep in my car. It's the one that I got when I became consecrated as a deacon in the Free Methodist Church back in 2007. And so it's a small one. It's got the whole Bible in there, Old Testament, New Testament, but it's small and it's flat and it fits in my glove box. So whenever I go and have a visitation or uh, if I go and visit someone at the hospital or their house, I can, you know, if I just need to go quickly, I've got the Bible ready for me. It's always there. Now I know I have it in my phone as well. I can always pull that up, but um, I always have a hard copy of the Bible as well. I never know if my phone's actually going to pull it up or not, so I just have a copy. So keep it with you. Maybe keep one at the school with you. You, give students, you have full permission uh, to take your Bible with you. You're allowed to talk about it in school. You're allowed to, you know, you're allowed to like process it in school. You're allowed to read it in school. You're allowed to pray in school, student. You're allowed to do all of that. And teachers, likewise, God empowers you to do the same. Now, I know there's guidelines and there's rules in public schools, but make no mistake. Make no mistake about it. You stop praying over your students because of a man-made law? Hmm. I would check that. It doesn't have to be so like, Lord Jesus, bless these students right here and doing something like weird Get there a few minutes earlier and just sit there and walk over the desks. If you have those desks, maybe you have tables. Maybe you're on the field. Go through the locker room and pray over all that. Keep praying over it. Keep scripture with you at all times. So know, relate, meditate. Psalm 119, oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all Day long, we need to get to that place in our life. And finally, if we're going to know, we're going to relate, and we're going to meditate. You have to practice it. Even if you fumble through it a little bit, it feels kind of weird and awkward at times. Just do it. Just try it. I know that there's, uh, I know that there's you know, some young moms that struggle to get to the Bible because they're taking care of the little ones. And depending on the structure of your family, you know, maybe dad's able to leave early and the dad can go and take care of stuff and have some quiet time and do this. And the dad feels, what's wrong with mom? I'm doing just fine. Um, Dads, uh, get your head out of your book for a minute and realize that you may need to step in to help mom. And mom, don't give up. Don't give up because your children might depend on it. Trying to learn and read. Maybe some of the, maybe your quiet time is simply reading out of one of the books to your children. Right? Take one of these books. If you're a newer believer especially, grab one of the children's Bibles and just read through it. You're not going to get the full picture, but it can get you started in here. And then just read through. So now you're not only learning it yourself, but you're teaching and you're training appropriately. So Practice. Practice practice makes permanent. Whatever you practice is permanent. So you better practice correctly. Otherwise, you're going to have a permanent bad habit. You can prepare healthy spiritual meals to enjoy and share with others. Here's our next steps. Going into the next week. I'm going to walk you through a portion of James chapter 1, and I'm going to highlight some observations that I see. I'm going to talk through the interpretation, and we're going to work on some application together. Tomorrow will most likely uh, be—tomorrow—next week will be the last time that we do more feel of, like, classroom-y. And we're going to, and then that's going to end the spiritual cooking 101. We're going to do James chapter one. So I invite you to read James chapter one, print it out with no chapters and verses and just read it, make some observations, look into the interpretation of it, and then find an application. And then next week we're going to do all that together. All right, let's pray together. Heavenly father, thank you for your word. Thank you for all that we have to learn here. Thank you for the privilege of being able to study it. Wow, these Bibles are everywhere. The greatest selling book of all time. And yet, if we don't do anything with it, if we don't read it, what point is there? So, God, I just pray that you would help us to... Man, empower us. Give us boldness to get the time this week to read through just James chapter 1, to make some observations, to figure out an interpretation, and go with an, uh, an application. So God, we trust you. Please fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us the wisdom we need as we seek to learn your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, stand with me as we receive the blessing of the Lord and head out here today. I know you're going to go through this week and you're going to be like, oh man, what if, it's always the same thing. What if I get the interpretation wrong? You might. Um, So that's why you're going to practice it. And bring it with you, right? Bring it with you on that notebook that you have. Bring it with you, and we'll talk through it. And if you completely get it wrong, hey, we'll figure out how to get it right. You've got to practice. Otherwise, you're just not going to get it. You're just not going to get it. All right, receive the blessing of the Lord as we head out here today. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Say with me. Go and be the church.